I'm Shanna Covey, creator and host of Always Shine Brightly. I named this podcast Always Shine Brightly because I believe that is what we are each here to do. And in times where we feel we're not shining bright, I feel it's still our purpose to work through and shift whatever is dimming our light. In this podcast, I'm speaking with guests who I see as bright lights in the world, despite any struggles they may have gone through. The more of us who do this, the better the world becomes. Join us on this shared mission to make the world a brighter place. Welcome to the podcast, Ms. Tracy Keller. I'm so happy to be here. Thank you for having me on. Yes. And um, Tracy, you and I have been co-hosting the Soul Live podcast now for what I think we're at like eight or nine episodes. And that's just been so much fun. So much fun. We have. We've had a blast. Soul Live is actually how we know each other. So just to kind of catch the audience up on what Soul Live is, it's a cancer support organization, a nonprofit that we are both board members with. And it's, its focus is to raise awareness and funds to make safe and effective non-toxic cancer treatments more accessible to the general public while promoting general health, wellness, and happiness. And I've been a founding board member, so I've been a part of the organization for quite a few, year, few years, but we've been so lucky to have you come into the fold over the last couple of years and this past year come on as a board member, which has allowed us to just like grow a blossoming friendship and to share again on co-hosting yeah. that Solib podcast. Yes, and I love the role that I have on with Solib is, you know, the wellness and seeing kind of the wellness side of things and and along with you, the power of the mind and what control we really have that you and I've talked about this, that we tend to give up and we have so much more power than we could ever imagine. I agree. And I think that this is information that is is traveling to a certain degree and we sure want to play a role in helping it travel further. And I think that we're doing that here on this podcast and here in our own individual work and also through the Solib podcast. Now, just like a little bit of a snapshot of where you are today, I know you're an eating psychology coach and a personal trainer. And I think, and you have to correct me if I'm wrong, but I feel like you've been in this health and wellness space for quite a few years, or at least it's been a big role in your life for quite a few years. But here recently, I don't know how recent, maybe the last couple of years, you've really made a shift in your approach to both eating, health, wellness. And Absolutely. That, and, and I'd love to hear more about that. I will start with, I have been in the role of fitness since my, my degree is in kinesiology. Okay. And so I, I want to go back a little bit. I got that degree, not necessarily from a healthy standpoint. I wanted to figure out how I could manipulate the body <laughs> to keep it looking a certain way. I wanted to know everything there was to know about fitness and workouts and how the body worked. So for years, I came from this approach of kind of working the body from the outside in. Mm -hmm. You know, what can I do to manipulate the body so that I can look a certain way? Right. Now, that, I was thinking about this today, that stemmed, and this is where you and I have talked about the power of words mm -hmm. and the power of what we believe. Um, years and years ago, I was a, a little child. I still remember it. So It's so crazy how vivid a certain memory can be when that first thought enters your heart. Mm -hmm. And I say your heart because then that thing can grow and either blossom into something beautiful or literally destroy, mm -hmm. depending on 
what we've been taught to do with those different experiences in our life. So I was a very skinny little girl with stringy, stringy hair and huge buck teeth. Mm. And I always think back to, and when I when I talk to my clients, if they could ever remember a time that you didn't know what you looked like, you were just totally free. Mm. And that was this little girl, you know, stringy hair, big buck teeth, um, kind of string bing legs. Mm-hmm. But you have no idea it, th- what you look like, whether it's like good no or bad. Like no self-consciousness around yes. it. Yes, and mm-hmm. so you're just so free. And mm-hmm. I always think of the little girl twirling in the dress where all she can see is the dress flying out to the sides, and you feel beautiful. Oh, yes. And then... <laughs> Something happens. Something happens. And I can remember clear as day, these little girls across the street, we lived in Dickinson right outside of Houston, and they started a chant about how ugly I was. Oh, my God. And as a little, you know, seven, eight-year-old, nine-year-old girl, um, you start internalizing that. And I remember, I vividly remember running inside and looking at the mirror, mm-hmm. never thinking I was like, I'm ugly? And I will say that that put a root of like always wanting to be okay. Like I was never enough Mm -hmm. and I wasn't okay. Mm -hmm. So then, you know, you go through your years, you get braces and you, um, you know, I started, I loved fitness. I loved um, athletics. Mm -hmm. So I was a really good athlete. And that kind of filled up a lot of that space Mm -hmm. of like, you know, I'm really good at something. I did well in school. So I was trying to build my self-esteem up on my own. Right. And through that, there was this underlying current of I'm not good enough Mm. and I just want to be pretty. Mm. And that started this huge battle of the body Mm -hmm. and, you know, making sure you eat the right things and you exercise enough. And and then it became a lot of performance, Mm. especially in athletics. Mm -hmm. So I was a triple jumper. Oh, and wow. I was breaking records in the eighth grade. What's the truth? Sorry, I was like not the sports person. Is that that's not a pole jumper? It's I don't not know a pole it jumper, <laughs> and it's not the long jump. But okay. it's it's in a long jump pit where you run as fast as you can, and there's three types of jumps you do, and then they measure it. Okay. And so I was doing extremely well mm-hmm. uh, in the eighth grade, and then I got into high school, and I started to fill out. You know, okay. the hips and the you know your body starts mm-hmm. to change. And when I went into track my freshman year, I wasn't hitting the marks that they everybody had all these high expectations. And again, remember, that's what filled my cup right. was if I can win, if I could mm-hmm. be good, if I could be praised. Again, everything, you know, at the time I had no idea how this one little mm-hmm. incident in my life was ruling me. Right. So I overheard a coach say, you know, these girls start filling out and they just can't get, they can't get off the ground anymore. And I took that as, oh, he just said I was fat. Oh, no. And if I could lose some weight, then maybe I could jump. And that started the whole starvation cycle of I'm just going to starve. And at first, I really was doing it out of I thought I could jump further. Right. What happened was I started losing weight. And mind you, I was not heavy. Mm-hmm. You know, I was. You're losing muscle, I'm sure. Absolutely, like just, absolutely. I, mean, I was five foot ten and probably weighed 140 pounds. Mm-hmm. And I remember going, and it wasn't even so much a number on the scale as it was. I need to jump further at the time. Mm-hmm. 
So then I started starving myself. And then I got the comments at school of, oh, my gosh, you look amazing. What are you doing? And then I was like, oh, I really was fat. Oh, God. And that started this terrible cycle of starving and purging. And um, so then I went to college and got a degree in kinesiology to make sure I could manage that. That's right. (laughs) Learn about the body, learn every trick, learn everything I could. And was that same like high school mentality ruling you during the college years as well? Or were there shifts in the classes that you were taking or not quite yet? So in college, I played volleyball. Mm -hmm. And so again, that filled my cup Mm -hmm. and I did well. I loved it. I loved being on a team. Mm -hmm. I loved the sport. I loved the camaraderie. And again, I did well in school. Mm -hmm. As I was graduating, I ended up going into corporate fitness and I worked at USAA as a fitness specialist. Okay. And I loved that job. And again, it was all coming from, you know, I was able to teach tons of classes every day. Mm -hmm. And then I worked with their employees on their fitness programs, on their eating plans. So it, it made my eating and my exercise dysfunction looked very accepted and I looked like I was very disciplined it just fed the beast okay (laughs) but there wasn't like a change in the nutrition to where you're not like losing your muscles anymore you're like actually feeling yourself with nutrition but still coming from the outside in in what that outside feedback meant for how you saw yourself absolutely I had learned more Mm -hmm. for sure Mm -hmm. for sure I can remember in high school not really even knowing what foods to choose and so just don't choose any whereas now I knew how to put an eating program together Mm -hmm. I knew how to make the foods work for me I also still had a tendency to Overexercise and starve, mm-hmm. and so then that's where there were times that the binges would come because you your your mm-hmm. body yeah. your body needs the fuel the fuel. Mm-hmm. So it was quite the cycle, mm-hmm. and then I had two babies while I was um, at USAA, and that was really a wonderful time when I was pregnant. I can remember not having any fear. It was kind of weird. Like, I didn't have any fear because I so wanted this child to be okay. And so mm-hmm. I ate really well. Right. I worked out. It was after I had the babies that it was back to work. Mm-hmm. And let's, you know, push as hard as we can and do as much as we can. Right. With not necessarily, again, I was doing it from a fear base. Yes. And that is where this work. So I continued this path a personal training for years. And I will say I loved it. I met some of the most incredible people. I worked for USAA for four years and then I went out on my own. I really felt like the Lord would just give me all the best people. Mm -hmm. And I always had a great client base. Still, there was this overwhelming fear Mm -hmm. of, okay, now I'm in this role. I'm respected. I've got to look perfect. Mm. So the pressure was on. Yes. And you just, I, I had a couple of just huge um, shifts. Okay. And one of those was I came into this relationship with God when I was 27, where I just said there had to be more. Okay. So that was that um, like completely new or just deepened or like meaning church was a part of your upbringing or? You know. So religion was. Okay. Religion was where we all went to church and we wore the dress and we played the part. Mm-hmm. Gotcha. This, I just never knew it could be something personal. Nice. Okay. And I think I 
I kind of um, avoided the whole religion trap for the most part because I really came into this crazy, like, there is really more. There's a spiritual realm. There's mm-hmm. a... Um, and then through that, I really grew. This, I, this was the experience at 27 at where 20, you're saying there's more. Like, talk to us about that experience. Take us back to that moment or that time frame. So at that time... Again, the, my life just felt a little out of control. I had two babies. I was trying to be perfect, to look perfect. The marriage was super tough at the time, mm-hmm. a lot of pressure. And I just had this moment of crying out and like, God, if you're there, I really need to know. And had this real experience with the Spirit. Mm-hmm. And um, and that's when I was like, all right, I'm not alone. Mm. I think that's a big thing. Like, I just knew I wasn't in this alone. Right. Because at, at the time, you didn't know who to turn to because I'm guessing you were mainly surrounded by people who you were the teacher. You were in the expert role. That's right. And so it's like, where where do I turn to help to share my problems in a safe way to where it won't be judged and have certain things threatened by that sharing? Okay, that's huge. That's okay. huge. Because when you when everybody really believes that you know what you're talking about mm-hmm. and that you are the expert, you can't turn around and go, I can't even keep this food inside of me. I run 10 miles before I start my day in the morning, mm. just to the craziness of it all. So through that experience, I was opened up to some spiritual teachers Okay, that got me on this road of healing. Nice. And I feel like I've been on that road of healing ever since. And then I'm going to fast forward a little bit. To I found this work um, through the Institute of the Psychology of Eating, and I started listening to some podcasts, and I'm like, okay, this really registers. And what it is, I'm going to go back to what I was talking about coming from fear or love, mm-hmm. that I had spent my lifetime of eating and exercising from a place of fear. Right. Of I need to look a certain way. My um, I need to eat a certain way. If I eat too much, exercise was punishment. Mm. It was not I get to move. Oh, my body gets to move and look what I can do and look how good it feels. Right. It was literally from a place of punishment. Right. So with this work, and I started this work about three and a half years ago. Okay. And when I took the course, it was a nine-month course. And you know when you just have those moments? I know when you started The Course in Miracles, you had those moments where you're like, oh, my gosh, it's all making sense. <laughs> all these shifts on yes. perception. Mm-hmm. So, again, so fast. And what's interesting is I had come from this place of let's all eat paleo and Whole30 and, mm-hmm. my, you know, have these huge campaigns with my clients. And let's all see if we can do 50 squats a day for the next 30 days. Mm-hmm. And now and, and I'm not saying there's anything wrong with that right it goes back to what place is it coming from exactly it's always so key is where we're coming from because right. some we've talked about this on the other podcast on the so live podcast but it's like the form of your 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 action you're doing can actually be the same but the energy behind it is so important that's and that's what stems from okay are we coming from this more healed space where we have self-love or are we coming from this fearful place where we are trying to feel whole and we're trying to block this sense of lack from being found out that's it being found out Mm -hmm. i think you just nailed it right Mm -hmm. there as i'm going to be found out and when i started this work it's like i could expose myself in Mm -hmm. this beautiful way and then teach people to come alongside me yeah and again so 
if you're doing a Whole30 or a paleo, which is just a really clean form of eating, if I'm coming from this place of I have this amazing, powerful body and I want to give it a jump start and let's see what all this body can do and create when I don't have the brain fog of, Mm -hmm. you know, eating junk food or trying to get rid of the food I ate or, you know, all (laughs) those Mm -hmm. things that play, play a role. So when you're coming from this place of love, it's also sustainable. Yes. So then it's like if I decide to go eat pizza with my friends, I can sit there and eat the pizza from a place of I'm going to enjoy this. Mm-hmm. I'm going to take a moment to breathe and get my get me out of fight or flight. And I can eat it and enjoy it with no shame, right. no guilt, right. and trust my body to do what it needs to do with that food. And then I go right back to I crave really healthy mm-hmm. foods because now I'm coming from this place of I want to give my body the absolute best fuel it can have. Right. So it's just a total shift in perspective and in, in your belief system. Yes. So that's um, through this work of the my eating psychology work, we begin to learn the systems of like what's going on inside of a person. Mm-hmm. Like the like the actual physical side of it or the emotional or the psychological, all of it? (laughs) Both. We did Mm -hmm. learn both. Now, one of the things I do as an eating psychology coach is we go back to the place of where that thing entered. Is that how you determined the situation of when you were younger and the girls across the street? It was a big part of it. Mm -hmm. It was a big part of going back to what lie did I believe Mm -hmm. and then what is the truth? Yes. And as we take that lie and we replace it. It's very important to replace it. It's not enough to just determine the lie. I mean, Mm -hmm. it's great. It's great. Mm -hmm. We have a starting point, but it's kind of like I was talking to a friend of mine the other day. If if I tell you, do not think of bananas, all you're going to think of is bananas. But if I say, (laughs) don't think of a banana, but think of an apple, then you can see the big, beautiful apple. So it's the same thing. It lets your energy go in a new place. That's it. Yeah. So if I'm saying, okay, I've detected the lie. I need to come alongside and replace that lie with truth. Mm-hmm. And so it's really important that, and that's where it's so great to have um, a community, people that you can trust and that believe in you and you believe in them to come alongside and help kind of talk out the mm-hmm. lie. And a lot of times other people can see the truth mm-hmm. and help you fill in those blanks. Right. Because so often you're carrying your own inner critic, but someone else is not carrying your inner critic in viewing you. And so it creates that dissonance in how you see yourself and how your friend sees you. You're seeing sometimes through the filter of the inner critic, and that inner critic isn't going on in their That's filter right. when they're looking at you. They just love you and just want the best for you. So it's really, I think that's a very helpful step. And I would say that is one of the things I use with my clients and myself is... Would I talk to my best friend the way I talk to me? Right. And if I wouldn't say that to one of my best friends or my own daughter, then I'm not going to say it to myself. I think that's a good litmus test and a good uh, way to really catch yourself and be like, whoa, let's be gentle. Let's like shift into self-love and not this form of self-hatred. That's right. That's right. So we also, we will always live up to either the blessing or the curse. So as we learn to bless our lives, bless our bodies, mm-hmm. get re-in touch with our bodies. We In this day and age, it's so easy to disembody, mm-hmm. meaning I've separated my mind from actually being in my chair. And when I teach people 
like with food, how to breathe and taste it and enjoy it again. Sometimes I'll go, I want you to actually be in the space you're in. So I just want you to feel the chair under your mm-hmm. your glutes. Just feel it. Mm-hmm. Be there, sit it, feel, feel it. Um, we find ways. Yoga is a great way to embody, mm-hmm. to be back in your body and then get back in touch and be kind. Right. Just like you would a friend. And then your body begins to live up to the love and to the kindness. But if every time I go by a mirror, I'm cursing myself, mm-hmm. my body, no matter how what how great I eat or how great my workouts are, at some point I'm going to self-sabotage because I'm going to live up to the curse of what I'm really saying over my body right. and what yeah. I'm really believing. And that's powerful. I hope that um, people really take that in. And I think also... On the, on the digestive side of things, too, is that your mental health or what your, your inner critic or your lack of inner critic, whatever is going on in your head is also playing a huge role in how That's the food right. is digested in your system, whether it's a perfectly healthy salad. Or, Absolutely. You know. they, and now that we can do MRIs and watch what goes on in the body, you can actually shut down your metabolism and your digestion through shame. Wow. Through cursing yourself, through, oh, I shouldn't have eaten that. Why did I eat that? So one of the things I teach um, my clients is to, if you decide, actually decide to eat it in the first place. Right. Because many times we're disembodied Mm -hmm. and we're just putting stuff in our mouth and we're not paying any attention and there's no mindfulness to it at all. That's true. But just decide. Like, okay, if I'm going to eat the cake, I am going to be with the cake. Yeah. I'm going to taste it. There's going to be no shame. Yes. Like I'm going to choose. Mm-hmm. So make the choice versus your body just kind of bossing you around and you choose and you're not even there. Yeah. So that's huge of just choosing and then no shame. Yeah. I, I agree a hundred percent on so many levels that that's that inner alignment with, with your what you're thinking and what you, how you're behaving, that inner alignment does so much. And when you're outside of that alignment, it creates this like horrible dissonance that creates stress and shame and fear That's it. and guilt. That's it. So it's just, it's a powerful way to live in every place in our lives. Yes. You know, I focus on food and on our relationship with food and help, helping to heal that relationship so that food becomes food again and mm. we enjoy it and we and celebrate with it, we taste it, um, and we're not afraid of it. Because yes. that fear, like you were just saying, it will really play out in a not-so-good way. Right. And I think that this work is so needed in the world. I think that there are so many women especially, I'm sure it's across the board, but it seems to be more predominantly in the female Definitely. gender, are having such... A relationship with their body that isn't stemming from self-love like this is a rampant problem in our culture yes and it is so i think that it's incredible like that your work is dedicated to helping to shift that relationship it is so it's, needed it's so needed in the overall healing like i focus on like the general healing it's not specific to body or food but i think that your specific focus is touching a nerve or it's like has the pulse on right where so much change is needed and so many people like yourself before you went through that course and had your mind shifted are unaware that there's even another option that's it 
That's it. It's it's just a lack of of information and knowledge and wisdom, how to use the knowledge of this is, I guess this is the way it is. I'm going to put myself on another diet and I'm going to just really bear down this time. It has proven that diets do not work. Mm-hmm. Diets do not work. Um, my my teacher, Mark David, that pro, that founded this work that I did, he studied the 1% to 2% of people that lost weight and kept it off. Because as you know, statistically, about 98% of people that will lose weight will regain it. Wow. So what he did was he went and he studied the 1% to 2% that had a lifetime, you know, years mm-hmm. under their belt of keeping that weight off. And every single one of them had had a shift, an inner shift. Mm-hmm. Something had switched. It was a heart. It was a heart change. Yeah. And so it's helping people to go in, first of all, to help them determine their own worth and value. Mm-hmm. Second of all, you and I know this, find a higher calling. Your <laughs> calling is not to lose 15 pounds. Now, don't get me wrong. If your health is, is at risk, yes, at risk, but it's still going to come from a place of, of this shift of I'm worth it. Yes. Like I am so worthy to walk out this life without this battle. Right. You can't find your worthiness in the pursuit of something that doesn't stem from within. And you can try, but it will be a very shaky foundation. And as soon as something changes in it, like, for instance, if you lose the weight and you feel good, but the weight comes back and you no longer feel good, that's not a true shift in self-worth. That's a very unstable shift in Absolutely. And I think, I mean, that plays out on a multitude of levels, but for this conversation, the food, the relationship to food and body and self-love, which, you know, that is the one that is, is playing the biggest one in this conversation. But I just think like it goes across the board. And I was also, it really does. I was thinking also, even though we are talking about our relationship to food, this also, <laughs> uh, it, it goes to your re- relationship with anything that you want to change. Because for instance, if you're trying to change your financial blueprint, you have to do the inner work to shift what you're worthy of and things like that. Because once, yes. you know, like once I heard it described, like I think it was T. Harv Ecker has been like 15 years, but he was talking about your money blueprint is like a thermostat. If it the thermostat is set at 80, like it always comes back to 80. Like even if it drops, then what? It go, it goes back to however thermostats work. You know what I mean? It comes right. back to the number it's set, at, it's set at. So that's why there's that statistic around 80% of people who win the lottery loot run through the money it's because right. their thermostat never got adjusted from their previous financial therm- the setting at the pre before winning the lottery once they win the lottery it's like whatever their emotional relationship to money is will kick in and they will either be self-sabotage there'll be all this stuff that will bring it back that's to where- so fascinating yes and it- it's along the exact same lines yes and it that really yeah, and that's a- why i think for anyone out there like inner healing is it's it is so critical. I mean, to me, I mean, I come from the perspective, it's what we're here to do. We're here in this life is to heal. Like we're in this, I call it third, third density where we have challenges and we have, um, you know, things aren't always going to be perfect, but those things, those challenges and those catalysts are meant to point us inward. How do we know our wholeness our wholeness is is a it would create a perfect relationship with anything if you are truly coming from wholeness, which is perfect, perfect love, perfect self love, perfect you know actually self love. It would probably go beyond the person, but 
when you have that relationship or that stability and wholeness, you create your relationship to the entire outside world becomes perfected. So I just feel like, and I know like the relationship to the body, the relationship to food, that's like one of the, the biggest ones out there for people to, for women especially. One of the things I'll tell, tell people is if you'll watch the way you do food, it's a lot of times the way you do life. Mm. In other words, are you like shoveling it down, not tasting it, not enjoying it, not being with it? You're just like waiting to get to the next meal. Mm-hmm. Um, are you, you know, like what your relationship to food can really mimic what your relationship to this world is. Mm-hmm. The maxim, how you do anything is how you do everything. That's it. That's it. That's it. <laughs> but so it's very telling. It's very telling. It and all of this, it, it leads back to why emotional healing is so important. Why, when you were first teaching that you had workout plans or meal plans and regi- workout regimens, why that was like not actually addressing the inner world no. in a real way. So yes, it could create a result, but oh, it's just a sustainable result. And for me, I'm not interested in these results that don't lead to an inner healing. Because then what has that done? Like what has that really right. done for the soul, for the person knowing what their truth is? That's it. And you said something earlier, you were talking about this inner healing and self-love. Until we get to that place where we really love ourselves, we can't truly love others. We mm-hmm. really don't have the ability. Mm-hmm. We can try to, and then we wonder why we, we blew this relationship mm-hmm. or we, you know, we failed again in this area of our lives. It's because it, it didn't start with that that love for yourself. Mm. And yeah. that, that flows over in everything. It flows over, you know, the more I can love myself, like I was talking earlier, then I can feed myself well because I actually believe that I deserve it. Mm-hmm. So I'm looking at this salad with avocados and um, all these great toppings. And I'm looking at it from a place of, oh, my body deserves this. If I'm coming from fear, I'm looking at a place, I got to eat this salad. I guess this is what this is. This is what this is what I'm going to do mm-hmm. so that I can get this weight off and I can look a certain way and I can then I can start to live, which is where the Barbie illusion was created from. Yes, let's talk about that. That's pretty powerful. So this this Barbie illusion, I was really just asking the Lord one day, you know, tell me how to kind of sum up what what you've kind of like my message for the world um, at this point in time in my life. I love that open question to God, though. I love it. Yes. And that's when I sat down and I've shared with you, and I'd love to share it with the audience, um, this poem Mm -hmm. just literally rolled out. And I was like, that's it. Like, that is really it. So the illusion is I will get to live when... I look a certain way, you can fill in the blank when I have right. a certain amount of money, when I get the right partner. When So it's this illusion. Mm-hmm. So what happens with an illusion? It's out there. So right now, I don't deserve to have a decent life. Mm-hmm. I don't deserve to have anything good. And we sabotage everything in our life for this illusion. Mm-hmm. So when we can get past the illusion and we can go, what does this body want to do today? Mm-hmm. And how can it enjoy this food in front of me? How can it enjoy um, these activities? How can it enjoy the relationships that I'm in? Not someday. Mm-hmm. But I'm gonna I'm gonna live from now. Yes. I'm gonna live from this moment. Like this is the only moment we have right now. So that's where, um, as I sat down asking God this open-ended question. Um, this poem just kind of flowed out 
and it summed up kind of the whole my whole story. Yeah. And like I was saying, we were created for a higher calling, and you nailed it, self-love. And out of that self-love, our higher calling will flow out. Oh, yes. And we won't have to go and search it out. We just come from that place of love, and it'll literally flow out of us. So... I agree. This is beautiful. You're going to read it. I'm okay, read I'm it. so excited. Okay. So this is what flowed out of me the day that I talked to God and said, tell me what the message is that you want your people to hear. Six-pack abs and thighs that don't touch. Eat the perfect diet and don't eat too much. The weight on the scale determines the day, and if it's up a few pounds, there's a price to pay. So who put us in this prison? Who made up all these rules? And if this is truly living, we are nothing more than fools. We have taken the bait, and we're playing the game. Nobody wins, and there's nothing but shame. Oh, Barbie was perfect. Yes, she had no heart. Find your higher calling. This is where it all starts. Take back your power. Live out your truth. Who are you really? Who's the real you? Look into your eyes and deepen your soul. There are no imperfections, but a story to be told. Your story is your superpower, setting others free. Your life is contagious when you're who you're meant to be. Let food be thy medicine. I'm not saying this isn't true, but your thoughts about yourself will make a difference too. So hold on to your power. Think above the way you feel. The lie is just a lie, and it's time to believe what's real. So I there just, it is. Oh, all, I love it. All I in love, a nutshell. No, that's there it is. Uh, it's so perfect. I, of course, it's perfect because it's just poured through you from higher power. That's right. And I think like it sums up. It sums up your purpose. It sums up our individual purpose too. I I love that the word illusion is being used. The Barbie illusion, and coming from a Course in Miracles background, the word illusion is used throughout that book a lot as the thing to peel back, the thing to uncover. The the illusion is what we are often identified with as thinking of what we are that is real, the, the lie that we have identified with. Right. And so this is so in alignment with where my spiritual perspective comes from, my perspective on healing comes from, and it's so in alignment with what is needed in this world to it get is. spread out. I'm so excited for you to be the face and the 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 carrier of this message Thank and how you. you're going to take it into the world and share it. And I'm honored that you shared it on our podcast today. So that this is the first time I've shared the poem on like publicly. Media. Oh, yeah. I love yeah. I mean, I've I've shared it with my friends, mm-hmm. but yeah, on media. So and I love that. Um, well, first, when did it come to you? I'm curious about that. It was about five or six months ago when I really got serious with God, going, "How do I get the message out?" what you know I want I really want your perspective on it mm-hmm. and then through that I've been developing a course coursework that'll go with each line good where and I have a um, a focus group right now of women working through it asking questions of just like what you were saying mm-hmm. peeling back the illusion mm-hmm. is getting beyond each each individual's illusion by asking all the right questions yes kind of finding out what is that higher calling and as we Focus on that higher calling. I know you've probably experienced this before where you literally get lost where there's no time Mm -hmm. and there's no space Mm -hmm. because you're so in the moment. You're so in the power of now. You're so doing what you've been called to do, whether that's writing or painting or um, speaking, Mm -hmm. whatever that 
higher calling is. And then when we're operating in that higher calling, food isn't constantly pulling us back going, no, 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 no. You just need me. Yes. No, I think, I think that's so true. I think like when we give our focus and give our energy in this like deeply surrendered way into what we're here to contribute all the lower pulls and the in the illusion and the and all the thoughts caught into the illusion of what we are and the fear that's tied into that, those pulls drop drop away. They don't have the power they once that's had. It. For one, you've had some he- true healing because you see through the lies they were telling you, and you make a a true shift from coming from that fearful place to coming from that more whole, loving place. Right. And then it's like, okay, well, those pulls are out of my system. So now there's just all this space that's freed up for this new message or this clear, truthful message to come through. And that's then you right. give yourself over to it. You continue in those flow states by giving yourself over to it. So I think that's incredible. I think like. I'm hoping other people ask, like, start to ask the same questions in their life. At least start to do, start on this healing journey. Start to shift your relationship with yourself, with That's food, it. with you know. Whatever. It starts with yourself, totally, and then you can kind of nail down those pieces. You know, whether it's your relationship with food, or it's your relationship, your relationships in life, or your relationship with money, you can kind of nail down the illusions, mm-hmm. your personal illusions. Mm-hmm. You know, the Barbie illusion is just a picture of whatever, you know, your false self mm-hmm. is trying to continue to show up. <laughs> yes, what well, it's like the, the the message it's selling, it's seeing through that That's message it. it's peddling. <laughs> That's it. That's it. And so, yeah, so seeing through it is your first step and then replacing it Mm -hmm. with your higher calling is the next. And there's a lot of stuff in between. (laughs) Right, right, right. I mean, a lot of it is just, um, well, first it starts with that desire for a change, which I really believe happened way back when you were 27 and you were just kind of categorically done with the way things were moving for you. And you just surrendered and, but you surrendered like, I would call it like an active surrender. Like I'm done with this and I'm ready to understand something new. It's like a, like, let's go. (laughs) Like it's a, it's a powerful energy. It's not, sometimes people get surrender mixed up with being extremely passive, but. That's a good point. You know, and I I love that. Like you were calling forth, like there was your soul, the impulse of your soul was just like calling for like. Oh, come on, like there's more. <laughs> there is. And I'm here to tell you there is. There is more. <laughs> and it led you, like, I mean, from my perspective, you you were, this was always living inside of you with the message that you were here to carry out and that this just happens to be the timing that it was revealed to you in I this agree. like third density earthling life form that we're in. But at a certain point, it's like before you incarnated or before you, before you came into this life, you were like, yeah, I'm up for this. I'm up for it. Which means also that you were up for what had to happen in your early formative years with with the girls across the street saying what they saying what they said. So the reason I say this is because sometimes people get so hot, caught in a blame game of feeling right. hurt by their experiences. Mm-hmm. But I think that if you look at it from 
a soulful perspective of it's your catalyst yes it's your catalyst for like waking up to remembering like oh wait why did i come here oh okay that experience started you know maybe it didn't wake you up immediately but it started to collect a number of stories over years that so many people in the collective will later relate to when you have that more profound wake up to the barbie illusion that you're here to share so i look at it i'm like i just see like so it's you know 2020 in hindsight but i love to see when soulful things start to come together and it's like now when you're carrying that message and you're sharing your story of of those formative years people are going to connect to it that's you right know? that's right without going through the work you know without having the pain to get you to this place of awakening it just gives it, it gives you the, an relatability yes you know where you can and always you know part of part of the poem is you know your story is your superpower. And that is now, and I'm not saying being the victim. I mean, there's a big difference. And, you know, no, I'm no. telling my story one more time to this group of people that will listen. No, I'm saying like your story of like what I have been able to walk out of, what mm-hmm. I've been able to come into. Yep. Again, like what you said, looking back and going, wow, that was just a catalyst to the greatness that God has for me. Yes. And I think like the idea of, a victimhood is really only sticks if you're not coming out of it. You know, like True. you were, you were all, we're all victimized to the sleep to the degree that we're unconscious because oh, that's, that's part of it. Like right. that's the degree of unconsciousness is the degree of our disempowerment. And so I think like, you know, it's just unfortunate if people get stuck in the spiral that keeps sucking them into that story of victimhood. Right. Um, but you going through yours, and there were moments of those moments of being hurt, which of course is a quote unquote a victim story, but that's what was teaching you. That was right. what was leading to the the wake up of finally being like, oh my god, I've been going about this all wrong. Oh, yes. and and again, it just it's it's powerful and it's going to help. So it is helping so many people, and I just see it growing on a massive scale and. I, this is just such work that's needed in the world. Thank you. And thank you so much for having me here today. Oh, yes, of course. I just always love our time together anyway. I do, too. It's just been, like, really awesome to be able to become closer and, like, sharing in our, our shared work together that we're doing in this right. world. Because we have very similar missions. They may look a little bit different in the outer Definitely form. Definitely, do. But Definitely. they stem from a very similar purpose. That's it. Well, Tracy, thank you so much for coming on and sharing your heart. And that's just, again, like what I wanted to share is that I love your energy. I love that you have an open energy about you that not only is it positive, not only is it over, overflowing through through giving, but you're just, you're excited. You're awake. You're vibrant. Thank I love, you. I just love that energy. It's a, it's a super attractive, super beautiful energy. And of course, you're beautiful in the inside and outside. Thank you. <laughs> Thank you. Well, thanks again for coming. And what, catch us. Oh, let me just plug our Soul Live podcast. Catch us on the Soul Live podcast. You can just look it up in your favorite podcast platform. That's right. The first six episodes, Tracy and I really share our perspectives. So we go on different angles of the same conversation we've had today. You can even get more of it on those episodes. I'm sure we'll be having more like that. That's All right. right. We'll call it a day. Thank you. Thank you. We are the love. We are the The music on the podcast is a song I fell in love with called We Are the Love We Give by Imaginary Future. It's available everywhere music is sold.